This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey there, cat lovers. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Catherine Prim, and I'm a small animal veterinarian and cat lover and cat owner. My cat, Scamper, is famous here on this show. But something that you might not have known about me is that I suffer from cat allergies. And so um, everybody says, wow, a veterinarian with cat allergies. And my journey with cat allergies is, I guess, a topic for another show. But today, I have something interesting about cat allergies and an interesting guest. Erica Engelhoff is here with me. She is the writer for Science News and the author of a book that's coming out called Gory Details that is affiliated with her series of things. She was here with us before talking about some gory and interesting things, but she recently wrote an article about a breakthrough in cat allergies. Welcome, Erica. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to be right back after a quick break to talk with Erica about this new and interesting breakthrough in feline allergies. We'll be right back. Has your pet ever suffered from digestive issues, anxiety, or joint pain? We want to address these issues and more with high-grade CBD oil from Alpha, made specifically for your furry friends. Using Alaskan salmon oil as a carrier, Alpha Pet's 500 CBD oil is lab-tested for quality, consistency, and safety. Plus, we are giving Pet Life Radio listeners 25% off and free shipping with code PL25 for a limited time. So visit myalphacbd.com slash dogs now. That's myalphacbd.com forward slash dogs. Because your furry friends are family. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. So, Erica Engelhoff is here with me because she has done a little bit of research about a topic related to cat allergies for people. So, tell us a little bit about what this article was and what you did and what you learned. Right. So, what I've found out about cat allergies is that it's a big problem for a lot of people. And so I wrote an article recently for Science News Magazine, which you can find that article at sciencenews.org by searching cat allergies. And there was new research coming out. And when we saw this, I said, I think a lot of people are going to be interested in it because it's a new approach from a company that you've probably heard of, Purina, which makes pet food. And they are looking at a new way of reducing the amount of the substance that's in cat saliva that actually causes our allergies to cats in people. And so what they're doing is they're actually coming up with a new kind of cat food where they've added an antibody to that protein that we're allergic to. So just to back up a little bit, you have to know a little bit about what causes people to be allergic to cats in the first place. A lot of people tend to think that we're allergic to cats' hair, 
we're not really allergic to the hair per se, but we're allergic to a particular protein that is made in cat's saliva, and it also comes out in their skin from their sebaceous glands. So that protein is called FEL-D1, which FEL is like feline, F-E-L, and then D1. And that particular protein, FEL-D1, that's the big bad guy of cat allergies. That's the protein that when we're exposed to it, if we're allergic to cats, if we've been sensitized to that protein, our immune system kind of recognizes it as an invader and goes nuts. And that's when you get the itchy eyes and the runny nose and the sneezing and all of that. And FELD1 is the major bad guy in that reaction. So, so yes, that's awesome. I did want to talk about a little bit about how allergies work. So you touched on it. Allergies are when your body recognizes a substance or your animal's body, anybody's allergies, uh, recognizes a substance as a threat that actually isn't a threat. So you mount an immune response. So yeah, yeah. Continue on that thought. Right. And so what Purina researchers thought is maybe there's a way to actually block this protein from triggering that reaction in people? What if there was a way that we could actually eliminate or basically render that that protein to be just neutral? So what they've done is they've taken an interesting approach. Instead of trying to destroy the protein, which maybe cats need it, we actually don't know what FELD1 protein does in cats. We don't really know whether they need it for anything or not. So instead of trying to eliminate that protein itself, what they did is they tried to add an antibody to the food. The antibody is derived from eggs in this case. And so it's not something that would be harmful to either people or to cats, but it's an antibody that would bind to that FELD1 protein and make it so that that protein is then no longer recognizable to the human immune system. So it's a way of kind of binding it up so that it's no longer harmful to people. So that's pretty exciting. That's a pretty interesting thing that the kind of cat food you feed to your cat as an allergic person potentially could reduce that cat's ability to stimulate your immune system. So that means I could feed Scamper potentially a certain kind of cat food and I would not be as allergic to scamper. It wouldn't be addressing my allergies to any other cats though, right? That's right. It would only work with the cat that was eating the food. And the way it actually works is that that antibody gets in their mouth when they're eating and it affects all of that FELD1 protein that's in their saliva that they're making as they eat. And so the question is, how well will that work? How well can you actually reduce the amount of the active protein that is causing the allergic reaction. And so far, according to Purina's preliminary results, which they presented at a meeting recently, so far it looks like they're able to reduce the amount of that active protein on the cat's hair, which is where the saliva ends up when they lick themselves, by about half. So that's pretty good and that's pretty encouraging. What they don't know yet is they don't have really robust results yet for how much this results in a reduction in allergies for the people themselves. They know that it reduces the amount of active protein. Now, how does that translate to your real allergy symptoms? Well, they've done some preliminary tests 
with just a small number of people. This is like 11 people so far. So, you know, it's not exactly a huge study, but it's promising. What they found when they did have 11 people that they tried exposing them to cats that had been fed this special diet for three weeks compared to just a regular cat food, they did find that people had less allergy symptoms when they were exposed to those cats that had eaten the special food. And they did this by literally like putting someone in a box with a cat (laughs) and letting them sit in there and, you know, just be exposed to the cat and breathe the air for a period of time. And so it does seem like they've got some promising results. They think that it's going to possibly be a good route for people to take. Now, they don't have the food available for sale yet because, like I said, they're still doing this research and they need to test a lot more than 11 people before they release anything out onto the market. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, so that's a a really good place to take a quick break so we can come back and talk about kind of all the things that could potentially not be good about this. So we'll be right back. You know what I love? I love my cat. My cat Scamper, he'll hardly even walk for himself. He stands up on his hind feet for us to pick him up. But you know what I don't love? Cleaning Scamper's litter box. Which is why Arm & Hammer created new cloud control litter. There's no cloud of nasties when I scoop. It's 100% dust free. Free from heavy perfumes. And it helps reduce airborne dander from scooping. So what happens in the litter box stays in the litter box. New cloud control cat litter by Arm & Hammer. More power to you. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. And I'm here with Erica Engelhop, and we're talking about the possible breakthrough in a cat food that could reduce a person's allergic reaction to that cat. This could be kind of groundbreaking for those cat lovers like me that experience allergic symptoms in close proximity to their own cat. So you said, Erica, that it was a small study, and I agree that not only was the study with the cats small, but certainly 11 people is not a scientific-sized uh, study. You know, that's not very many people. So, correct, um, correct. And they have, they have published in a peer-reviewed journal their findings showing that it reduces the amount of cat allergen on the cat's hair, but they have not yet published in a scientific journal those results um, showing the effect on people's allergies because, like you said, that's just too small of a number. So that's really just um, preliminary results, I would say, and something that they're discussing at a conference as, hey, we've got some hints that this may really be working, but we're going to have to do a lot more work to find out for sure. So when I first read um, about this, I hadn't read your article, which was much more complete, but I just saw a headline and I instantly was like, oh my gosh, I've got to find out more about this because I do suffer. I get itchy eyes and oh my gosh, an itchy nose. And when I snuggle, scamper is when, I mean, I can really notice it. So, um, but... As I read your article and looked into this a little bit more, you and you sort of touched on it. We don't really know 
what the role of FELD1 or FELD1 is for cats. We don't know whether or not there are safety concerns. Is that right? That's right. And so far, again, Purina is saying, their researchers are saying that um, they do not think that this approach that they're taking is going to have any harm to the cat. For one thing, they're not getting rid of the protein entirely. So if the cat does need it for something, they are still naturally producing it. Um, but it's interesting. Other people have actually sought to eliminate that protein entirely. And that's where we don't know whether that would have a negative effect on the cat's health because no one knows what exactly this protein does in cats. It's not clear what they're doing with it. So it's kind of amazing to think that we don't know that, uh, that we, that this, you know, protein that is the source of all of this consternation for people that we don't really know what it's doing in cats, but we don't. And so that's why instead of taking the approach of say genetic engineering, where you just remove the gene that produces that protein entirely, instead the Purina approach is let the cat produce the protein and then we just disable it essentially. So, um, so that's a little bit of a softer approach, but there are still people I would note who are interested in potentially what they call knocking out that gene that makes the FELD1 protein. And so far, no one has succeeded at doing that um, to genetically engineer a cat that does not have that gene is not quite as easy as it might sound. I mean, we think, gee, there's all this amazing genetic technology now and they're cloning things and they're, you know, doing all of this amazing genetic research. So you would think that maybe you could just do it in the lab. Well, it's not quite as simple as that because it still involves working with cat embryos and potentially cloning cats. And, you know, that's still not something that you can just whip up in the lab <laughs> overnight. So, um, so I think we probably shouldn't be holding our breath for the genetically engineered cat that is just doesn't make this protein at all, but rather researchers are looking at a variety of ways of disabling this protein in, in the sense of making it so that it doesn't, uh, react with the human immune system. And this Purina approach is one, but there are a few others as well that we could talk about if you're interested. Absolutely. Well, so I think that trying to create a genetically engineered cat that doesn't make this protein is kind of like the fodder for science fiction. I don't know, but I think that the point is there is no hypoallergenic cat. So you may find that you personally react a little bit less to one cat over another cat, but all the time in my practice, people come in and say, I bought this kind of cat because they're hypoallergenic. And that is actually false. And I'm sure you discovered that in your research as well. As Yes. And um, I actually have personal experience with that as well, because my husband is allergic to cats, but we love cats and we've always wanted to have a cat. And we thought that we would not be able to have a cat um, at all. And so we you know, we're doing research. I was about to give up and just get a dog. <laughs> and, 
And then last year, we we started delving into um, what research there was on different breeds of cats. And like you said, there is no hypoallergenic cat. There's no guarantee that any particular cat that you get is going to have a low level of this protein. But it is known that cats do vary enormously in levels of this protein. So depending on the version of the gene for FELD1 that they have, they may make very low levels or they may make very high levels. Some breeds of cat, now the one that I ended up gravitating toward was the Siberian cat. And there's been a lot of talk about that. And you will see them sometimes advertised out online as being a hypoallergenic cat. I would, you need to take that with a big, big grain of salt. Any given Siberian cat, could still be low or high in FELD1. You know, you can't, even when you, when you breed cats and you breed uh, two cats that both have tested for low FELD1 levels, there's no guarantee that the kittens are all going to be also low in that FELD1 level. Genetics just thwarts us, you know, genetics is complicated. So it's not that given, simple. <laughs> it's just not quite that simple and we wish it were, but... There has been some genetic research on Siberian cats, finding that they have a high level of variability in that gene. And so they may be a bit more likely than some other breeds of cats to have those low FELD1 levels. Um, I decided to try that out for myself <laughs> because... I was, re I literally read the, the, the paper describing this genetic research and I said, okay, I'm going into it with my eyes open. This could I easily work or not work depending on the given cat, but I might be increasing my odds a bit of getting a cat with a low FELD1 level. And then it will depend on how bad my husband's allergies are. Can he tolerate that particular level of the protein? So we did our own self-experiment and we found a breeder who breeds Siberian cats and we, we went and we got a neutered male named Stoli. He was an adult cat being retired from breeding. He's a big, lovable, 16 and a half pound Siberian cat. And we brought him home with the agreement with the breeder that it would be a trial period to see how it went with the allergies. And much to our astonishment, my husband has found that he does not have an allergic response to this cat. When we go over to friends' houses who have cats, and when we go to my parents' house even where they have a cat, he does get some sniffling and sneezing and itchy eyes. But Stoli apparently, and I have not had him tested um, because it costs <laughs> quite a bit of money to get them tested for their levels of Feldy one but um, I have not had him tested, but we can reliably say after a year of living with this cat that my husband does not have allergy symptoms um, with Stoli, whereas he does with other cats. And so Yay! it's, yeah, <laughs> it was a happy ending to our story. Um, but again, well, I'm allergic to scamper. I'm allergic to scamper, <laughs> but I know, um, I know kind of how to manage things. And of yes. course I'm a veterinarian. So I, um, I do have a very close relationship with my allergist. <laughs> <laughs> That's always good. And we, you know, you still have to take measures like keeping your house very clean, reducing the amount of that fur that's carrying the protein on it. Um, and we do all of those things as well. 
Um, and my husband does use, um, you know, like nasocortial allergy spray, things like that, because he has general, he has pollen allergies as well. So he's always on a little bit of um, allergy medication just for that. So again, I would tell your listeners, I wouldn't say that my experience means that you should run out and get a Siberian cat, because I don't think you're going to have a guarantee there, especially because it will depend on your own allergies and how you respond to the cat. But I'm happy to say that, you know, it, that the levels in different cats do vary. And so it can be possible if you're willing to put in a lot of effort to, um, to possibly find a cat, an individual cat with a lower level that you are able to tolerate. It's just not, um, there's not a magic bullet for it. You can't just say, oh, get this kind of cat and it will definitely work. Right. And you can't rush out and buy this kind of cat food. But at least people are working on it and people are looking at kinds of cats and cats protein levels and ways to kind of ameliorate this issue. And that's why I wanted to have you with us because it's exciting to me personally and it's exciting to a lot of cat lovers who are also cat allergy sufferers. So, Erica, thank you for coming today. I really want to give you the opportunity to talk about where my listeners can find you and find out more about you, because I know you have some exciting things coming. Yes, I am very excited to be publishing my first book. It's going to be coming out in May of 2020, and it's called Gory Details. And it's based on my blog, which is at, Gory, at, which is at National Geographic, called Gory Details. And I write about all kinds of science that's either gross or creepy, or taboo, and those are just some of the most fun science topics to write about. And so this book, Gory Details, is going to be a compilation of some of the best and most fun stories that I've written before, all revised, updated, expanded for the book, and a lot of new material as well. And there's lots about animals, especially if you like creepy, crawly animals. (laughs) (laughs) But I also love to take a break sometimes from all of the creepy crawly and gross stuff and write about cats because, you know, sometimes you just need a little bit of something fun and fluffy and beautiful in your life (laughs) as well. So I couldn't um, agree more. (laughs) Exactly. So, um, so if you, uh, if you Google gory details, you should be able to find me on the web. My website is ericaingelhaupt.com. And, um, and check out the book and check out the, the blog and, um, and also go to sciencenews.org and check out what we have about cat allergies on that website. Because uh, in addition to my story, there's a lot of other good information if you're looking to understand how allergies work. So That is so great. Well, so, of course, uh, my listeners know how to find me, I hope, on social media, Facebook and Twitter, Catherine Prim, DVM. If you have a question for Erica, just comment on one of my pages and I'll get you an answer because this is so fun and exciting. And Erica, thank you so much. Thank you. Also, I want to thank my listeners for their amazing loyalty to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat to try to learn more about taking good care of their cats and keeping them happy and healthy. I want to thank my producer, Mark Winter, and I want everyone to go out and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.